pound puppies. Remember that cartoon, guys? <laughs> Classic. I remember I that so. there was yeah. one. Puppies. We're pound puppies. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah. <laughs> We're pound puppies. We want to go home with you. Yeah, that, it You've was been a cartoon. You've been to too many parades on Main Street. This show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. I've got uh all right let me I've, uh I've uh, got a regular sized thing. I've got uh, um a, Steve, a book about comics. See a doctor about that. <laughs> yeah, no. No need to brag on this thing, show. <laughs> it's not it's not the size of the regular size thing that counts. Uh and I've got four quickie holiday books. All right. Well, let's uh let me plenty get, of material to get cover this for thing, Phil. Uh, yeah, cuz I got nothing Andrew. That's all right, Phil. You've got your lovely self, which is what's important. Yeah. As long as you have your controversial opinions with you. No, that's you. Good. Welcome back to Indie Comic Book Noise, everybody. And we're in for a treat. We're we're on a run. We're, we have all four hosts back again. I think part of it is this, you know, only recording once a month or whatever really helps with the scheduling. <laughs> By all four hosts, who do I mean? I mean me, of course, Andrew the LA Rabbit, boo, who cares? Our two Canadian superstars, the tag team from north of the Arctic Circle, WX Kev. Say hi, Kev. We're on the run. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Are you, could you clarify? <laughs> I'm I'm late to the show here, so uh, what are we? What am I getting into? And that Super Steve from the bunker, helping the metaphorical trains run on time. And lastly, from the nation's capital, the Ottawa Otter himself, Phil. That I feel. Don't pair me with Kevin. Well, too bad. Your fellow countrymen. All right. Indie Comic Noise, part of the Deliberate Noise Network. What's that, you ask? Rhetorically? I mean, wait. No, I should ask that rhetorically, not you. <laughs> what it is, is it's a collection of podcast and lifestyle brands brought to us by Derek Coward. Thanks, Derek. He's the guy for which none of this would be possible. I would just be talking to myself, staring out into space, instead of talking to these three fine gentlemen. You can also find shows about other geek-related industries, like Marvel Comics, pen hosted by Super Steve. Hey, Super Steve, how are those Marvel Comics going? Gosh, they keep going and going and going and going and going. But with a lot of new number ones <laughs> in, peppered in between. Yeah. Uh, up to our year-end uh, episode, depending on when this one comes out. But uh, just finishing up uh, another calendar year of Marvel Noise. Quite an achievement. Marvel Noise has been around a long time, folks. We should appreciate it while it's there. Because one of these <laughs> days it's going to get bought out by some big Eastern syndicate. 
You can find show notes and old episodes of this very podcast at IndieComicBookNoise.com. I can't vouch for any links that I provide because I always mm-hmm. suspect Kevin does something funny to him after I send him the show to upload. You better believe it. As you heard from the beginning of the show, there are sometimes adult language and strong thematic content. But I like Especially to say, around the holidays. We never say anything controversial. And then Kevin sometimes says. Uh, we could argue about being complicit or just letting things die in obs- obscurity. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like some kind of Nietzsche quote or something. Speaking of Nietzsche, you can find us on social media at our Facebook fan page, I think. Does anyone check the Facebook page? Nobody uses that anymore. Kevin's all over that thing. I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I have no idea. Or haven't been. Oh, did you get kicked off that too, Andrew? No, I was never on Facebook, Phil. I only (laughs) got kicked off of Twitter, but the show is still on Twitter. And the show has joined Kevin and I on Blueski. Yes. Although so far, I believe I'm the only host holding down the Mastodon front. So we've got that. And I don't think any of us do Instagram. But Kevin, I'm a little disappointed, still hasn't delivered those NFTs he promised us. So, Kevin, let's get on that for 2024, shall we? It's the year of NFTs? Is that what you said? (laughs) Exactly. They're making a comeback. And Indie Comic Noise, we're just like a bunch of... Cats talking about weirdo comics and related properties. There are really no rules just right to steal another famous corporate catchphrase. So, you know, we just try and take it easy. 2023 is winding down. Apologize to those of you when this show probably gets posted in like March of 2024 or whatever. But here we are looking back on the year that was... And the interesting years to be, I mean, we don't really get hung up on fancy traditions and things here at Indie Sometimes we do a Halloween episode or two, but we really are indie about things, which means we just do whatever we want on an irregular schedule and over-promise and under-deliver. Isn't that the indie way, guys? <laughs> For sure. All right, who wants to start us off with talking... What's what's going on, guys? What's going on, gents? Side note that I may or may not edit out. I found the little bit from my cable that came apart, so uh, I think I know what's wrong with why my microphone wasn't working. A little huh. tiny bit of plastic that I believe belongs somewhere. Isn't it amazing how these things require plastic? Anyway, you plugged in. I, I think you just said that to cover up that you're actually a robot AI right now. LMD. Yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely first generation anyway. So, you guys ever see that computer program, Eliza, from back in the day? That's what I ever think about that. Was it the therapy one that just repeatedly would ask you questions about you? <laughs> They'd be like, how do you feel about that? And how do you feel? And it would just paraphrase what you said, asking a question. So I always think with this AI, I'm like, didn't we have that like back in 1982 or whatever with this? Well, wasn't that Max Headroom and that robot? I can put my arm back on. You can. Play before things. before that, it was Teddy Ruxpin, the little. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that thing was creepy. There was something weird about the way it's. Oh, I loved Teddy Ruxpin. 
cartoon <laughs> show. Oh, I never saw the cartoon. All, crystals. all right. Oh, 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 Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter. Corey, what do you got, Super Steve? I've been reading uh, holiday-related things or things that I thought would be holiday-related but are only loosely uh, attached to the season. And one of them is the first two books, uh, collections put into print at Image for the Panel Syndicate, where the singles appear digitally. The Panel Syndicate is uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin's um, digital comic company, where you can um, pay anything you would like um, for uh, whatever products they have to offer. I think we've talked a- about them before, Steve. Yeah. Of course. They were one of the ones that Kevin liked because they were never going to do print. <laughs> I was just waiting for someone to bring that up. <laughs> but so uh, this is Friday, uh, one of their more recent offerings. And the first two books, the first one being called First Day of Christmas, which is why it caught my eye, and the second being called On a Cold Winter's Night, Um, Again, those are the collections in print, but you can read them digitally, too, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Marcos Martin. What? And it follows. You're going to love this, Kevin. Follows the story of and you're going to like this, too, Andrew. And I think it'll appeal to your sensibilities, Phil, but I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. But after your Teddy Ruxpin comment, (laughs) you might you might like this. Uh, So this follows the story of a girl whose name is Friday. All right. So there's the title there. And she's returning home from her first semester at college. It's it's Christmas. I remember this one. But didn't this start years ago? It's well, there's two collections out plus whatever's come since. So I remember Friday, the movie. Is this the one with ice cube and smoke and weed and all that stuff, Steve? (laughs) I think it's our girl Friday. So this girl Friday comes home from her first semester at college at, at Christmas time and Martine's art, like his scenery in this like snow covered village and um, using snow overall for his like decorative page compositions. It's, it's just fantastic. And he's just such a good storyteller, even though it's sometimes unconventional, uh, really it's a it's a fun read but this girl was like a nerd jock outsider type she was a hockey player but she kind of found her place built the social world around her like we all kind of do by the time we're at the end of high school and then she like blew it all up by going away to college right like we all kind of leave that comfort zone where we've like finally gotten to if not to the top, at least to a comfortable place on the totem pole. And then like, you know, you go off and you're back at the back at the bottom to some other new adventure. Not really so, a college man, Steve. Don't believe in any of that stuff. Never any use for reading and writing. Don't think I ever will. <laughs> huh? So, you know, she comes home and now she's the one that's out of place. Like life went on without her, all the people who didn't go away, but her best friend, and her, they don't have the same um, connection, the same vibe anymore. And the twist, the, the cool part is her pal was like the town's Encyclopedia Brown. 
that old young adult book character that was a mystery solver where you could read the short um, mystery and then uh, in the back of the like appendix see what the solution is and they were yeah, never always... never I never figured it out Steve I never <laughs> figured those things love those books but man they were some of the most taken out in my school library books when, when we were back in uh, grade school it's like choose your own adventure i had to keep my finger at my page in case i died so you could quickly flip back and oh i didn't mean to take the left hand turn i meant to take the right one so friday and this town's encyclopedia brown her friend lancelot jones they were like a team for like a series of young adult suitable mystery adventures like they were the hardy boys or like harriet the spy even though it was a, a boy girl team and there's a there's a whole bunch of great montages that have all these fake um novel covers you know the case of the missing whatever and the, you know, all the cliched things that really um, put you in the mood of like okay this is those types of characters and kind of what happened to them when they've had to grow up and life has happened and stuff. Uh, and, and one of the life that happened things is the night before she goes away to college, she pushes them sleeping together and it like, doesn't go well. Like it's like super awkward and they both regret doing it. it it's like not right for a, a young adult team. You know what I mean? Like they, they, are always together, but there isn't a romance just like the, uh, it, those, those book series. So like, there's a new case going on, of course. And the big twist is she gets left holding the bag because her partner, Lancelot Jones is killed. And then she's got a, you know, she's the outsider in this familiar environment. That's no longer familiar. The guy who was the, the, the brains of the operation is gone and she's got to try to solve the mystery and put together the pieces of whatever he was working on. And then there's also this like Lovecraftian horror stuff being thrown in there and stirred around. It, it's a very interesting story. Um, it would be a little frustrating to read it long form, I think like in installments over years, if that's how uh -huh. long it's taken, but I'm um, reading it in chunks. It's a it's a great read. I, I sat down and read it in like two sittings and uh, really enjoyed the pacing and, and the presentation. Yeah, I think after the first issue came out and then it was however long the second issue, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> it totally does. When you said Encyclopedia Brown, I was totally thinking, you know, it feels like Brew Baker and Philip should have done their own take on Encyclopedia Brown as like a, what happened yeah. to him twenty years right. later or whatever. Yeah. Well, this is that. This is where you know that seed was planted here to do something with Martine. So, so cool. Encyclopedia Brown isn't the body on your latest graphic novel, is what I'm getting from from Andrew. <laughs> no, but I am glad that. Uh, that that the publisher's still around because i know we talked a lot about them but so many publishers come and go so i'm glad to see they're still kicking out books on the reg i mean i joke about the whole we'll never be in print thing but we all know that's just <laughs> nonsense that people say 
for fun and games. All right, Kevin, what have we got for us? Well, I don't like Godfrey. I, I was trying to come up with some probing questions, some uh, some real funny bits. So I, I was trying to think about the most unexpected title that came back recently. G.I. Joe? Uh, Junior Baker, the Righteous Faker? I've been wondering how that book is. <laughs> tell me, tell me. Well, continue wondering. Because I haven't read it. <laughs> or then I was trying to think about the most embarrassing company. And I was like, Amazon? Again? Yeah, they really, uh, this, I still see a lot of lamenting among digital comic people about, I guess it sort of works, but not really. Well, if you, I guess it's also weird, the, um, the distillery digital was kind of strange. My friends are saying on, if you have certain tablets, it doesn't really work very well. I, I know it's the reader still in beta, so maybe that's why. Because I know that they, were, I, th- I thought originally they were supposed to launch their digital like this day and date with the print, and maybe I was mistaken. But it seems like it's finally up and running. Like I, I've seen like, like I guess it comes out first for one day for a dollar. It seems like, and then. It goes to the full price, and then it uh, disappears into the ether. Which is weird by itself, but I mean, we have a lot of weird publishing models now where it was like everything's available to everyone at all times. It's like, no, you're you're putting that scarcity model at play. It's almost a bad idea idea. (laughs) Hey, as I sent you guys, their Kickstarters seem to be doing gangbusters. I mean, they they never have any trouble getting any sort of money. So, I mean, I can't really fault them there. Like, they clear their goal in, like, what, 10 minutes or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have, again, that core. I mean, there I think it's a bit deeper pockets. I don't know. I mean, Kevin, we've bought, read some of their books a long time ago, but... I just, you know, if I'm not seeing them in the store, I'm not buying them. So I haven't seen any of their product in quite some time. But it was all, you know, quality name creators, quality output. I just, the gamesmanship was a turnoff for me. I I think it excites some people. Yeah, because they were doing all that different business. Yeah, I actually saw all of their books on the shelf once. Yeah, didn't you buy them there at the Beguiling or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was funny. I got to review some of them for the show next year. Because, uh, I, you know, not not going to TCAF and everything, I'm like, oh, I need something else to fill the void, right? You don't need something else, but if you want something else, you should have it. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you I know we're, we're, we're about in this, in this. I didn't go to LA. Ender. I didn't go to LA Comic Con this year. Because I'm not in downtown that much anymore for other reasons. It just didn't really seem like my jam. But it went pretty well. People say, uh, my uh, comic shop guy goes uh, to flog his books and everything. Yes, I was was wondering, does he pick up books for people and stuff like that? I don't think so. He said he tries not to leave his table too much. And he's just there on his own. So he says, like, I never see the show because I'm always at my table. And because normally I see him at much smaller shows, 
much more focused, you know, your, your real toy and comic shows that don't have, I mean, maybe they got like a Power Ranger or something sign and stuff, but they're really not like the Comic-Con with TV. I mean, obviously the Power Rangers are on TV or whatever, but you know what I mean? They don't have big name acts or people with TV shows that haven't been off the air in a hundred years or whatever. And that makes it a little bit different because there it really is just flogging the merch, which is, you know, what I'm there for too. And the prices tend to be better usually because uh, they're not spending a lot on their, to make their table. Plus it's a lot of guys kind of smaller than you, Kevin, you're a big time dealer, but a lot of these guys that are just trying to sell a little bit on the side, you know? So I feel like uh, there's always a few guys where you're like, what are you doing with these prices, man? And I just walk on by like, I got nothing. They got nothing for me, but there's usually some really good deals too, where people are like, Hey, I just need to clear out some crap in the storage shed or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'll be pulling out as they say, um, in, in the big time comic book world, uh, the full Voltron, uh, for a show next year, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It was weird because I did a few shows, and then uh, I mean, there, there's, there's been, there's a lot of different factors at at play, right? But I feel like by the by the last one in the year, like things had uh, had cooled. But uh, we'll see how next year is. I mean, I mean, I, really, that should be like a, a stabilization of of the industry. And everything, right? Like, I think that's what what we we hope is uh, is is going to occur next year. That's what you hope for, Kevin. I hope the industry bottoms out and totally tanks, <laughs> so that back issue prices, which have been dipping a little, really drop to like rock bottom prices, and I can well, buy up all kinds of comics on the cheap. I know you want that amazing fantasy fifteen. I want so. that. I want all these. I got two more. Of the Real American Hero IDW GI Joe books, and they both just want crazy. Pr- the few I find, they want unreasonable prices for books that have no particular. They're not. They're just rare. I mean, they're not. You know, first appearance of whoever. They're just hard. I, they they just don't come up for sale. So, I want that market to crash so I can get everything cheap. But I would say, yeah, 2023, I think, return of G.I. Joe. I think both you and Super Steve were still on the 2000 AD kick, if memory serves. I think I fell yeah. off this Just year. Just couldn't keep up. Couldn't keep yeah. up. As I mean, it's, as... a, it's it's a lot of comics. Yeah, it's digital, but I don't know. It was just, it's just difficult. I mean, <laughs> it's not any less difficult trying to keep up like with a shonen jump or something but i like with everyone else seemingly uh yeah definitely getting on board more of that uh, manga train and i see that continuing into the future so yeah but you were always the manga guy so that's not really quite the same as like a new trend so i was trying to seize on the 2000 ad and then uh i think that was 2022 really that made me want to read uh coming off of reading those made me want to read like more 
just solid Judge Dredd stuff, like, uh, you know, like Case Files stuff. Uh, you know, it did to me. I just wanted to read more um, uh, Abnet stuff. Hmm. Nice. Because you you see some of the creators that you're gravitating towards in some of those uh, sure. books. And I'm always like, I was always waiting for like the ne- the next serial. And then there would be some, I don't know, in intestinal bots or whatever. And you'd be like, that's fine. But not really what you were there for. Well, I had read. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Sorry. I was going to say, I had read that the same bunch of dread material over and over again. That stuff that had been colorized and put out in the States through Eagle Comics back in the uh, early 80s. And uh, the Cursed Earth stuff in between the two, uh, or whatever they called it, but between the two um, mega cities and all the Judge Death stuff, their first appearance and all that with Judge Anderson and all that business. So there's probably a lot of good stuff that's popped up that I haven't had the opportunity to check out that's not the just the classic uh, Boland and Mocklin stuff. Yeah, who could forget Stan Lee appeared? <laughs> Well, I thought you'd get a kick of this, Kevin, if you remember back to four years ago. Indie Comic Noise 442 from January of 2020. Any of this ringing a bell, Kevin? Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. No, well, tell us what, it, what we did. The reason why it's important is you tried to sneak in a stealth Black Hammer comic, the Skull Digger <laughs> and Skeleton Boy. Well, guess what trade I'm up to right now in my <laughs> library read of the world of Black... I'm up to the Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy. So. <laughs> no, 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 that was a classic bit on that episode. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, for uh, people who have been listening four years ago or whatever, here we are. I'm I'm now reading those comics that Kevin was talking about. What am I, about eight, nine trades into this... I'm following the Dark Horse <laughs> reading order after I was misled by some internet weirdo who tried to get me to read part of a trade and then this other section and all that. And I just said, you know what, let's just friggin' read the whatever Dark Horse thinks I need to read. After all that slack you give me and Kevin, <laughs> you almost refused to do shows if we talk about Black Hammer, and now look at how deep you're in. Now I'm way, I'm <laughs> deeper than you. This, according to their reading, is the, uh, I'm on the 11th trade. Wow. Of the series, according to the official guide, the ones where they've dropped the Black Hammer from it. Yeah, I've enjoyed. It's been fun. I don't, I think you guys are right. The original series is the best. But some of these were good. I, well, I for sure, I finished up the DC crossover because that's the one I really wanted to see. Yeah. Because I, I always like when they combine the the fancy one and the knockoff one. And I thought it was very clever, but I kind of wanted more interaction. Yeah. I, I'm not going to spoil too much, but basically they swap places. So it wasn't quite the same business. Uh, sorry. I mean, you might have read more Black Hammer than I have now. It wasn't quite the same business. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've got up through the 13 currently from the library. After that, it's just the two trades for Reborn, or three trades for Reborn, which I don't know if they have, and then the Unbelievable Unteens. 
And then at least according to the last reading order, I'm up to date. But I don't, well, didn't you say there's the end now or something? Yeah, yeah. There, there's the end, really the end that that's currently ongoing. Okay, so I'll probably have to wait a few years for that. So yeah. So far, and after that, there's going to be a new beginnings miniseries. <laughs> well, they've already used reborn. Have to have next rebirth. <laughs> so yeah, the black. I was a teenage black hammer. <laughs> I am. For hey, those Kevin's people. laughing because that there's something to that, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course there is. The unbelievable unteens. Yeah, and it's been. Like I said, that first one is good. The sides are fun. They're good enough that even when I have reservations, by the time I get to the end, I'm like, yeah, that was worth reading. I don't need to read it again. And I will say for people, the trades have a lot of like alternate covers and back matter and sketches and stuff. And it's really nice. And because this has been such a big success, they were able to lure pretty big names to come in and do this, that, and the third thing for covers and everything. So it's yeah, fun. Yeah, Lemire's see. got friends. Yeah. Well, I also figure I, the, the book's sales must have been justifying it or whatever. I like that uh, Skullboy um, one or whatever. I thought that had a fun sentiment where it's sort of familiar, but then it's its own weirdness that uh, is similar to what you hope to get out of a Black Hammer thing. I, I didn't read the um, other one that you mentioned, though. That one I... Uh, would you say that something terrible teenagers or something that was the last one in the re in the reading order the very last thing they have at least in these old books is the unbelievable unteens and they put a teaser in one of the free comic book days okay that one that's the only one i haven't read i think i read one issue or two issues of that i don't think i ever finished that one yeah the only one that's like i said that kind of mishmash one i read out of order was a mixed bag, and I thought Black Hammer Forty Five kind of let me down a little bit. Really? I, as much as I like Matt Kent, I think he was the wrong choice huh. for that and book. Fighting words for Kevin. It features a squad. Basically, you guys know it's the that DC troop, the the Blackhawks, the ones from World oh, War Two yeah. that all. And the problem is, they all look really similar. And Matt Kent's very scratchy <laughs> art style. So the ending has a dramatic moment with two characters. And the big difference is one has a very thin mustache. Well, when you have like six lines to make the lips, the thin mustache is not easy to distinguish from the lips, which ordinarily wouldn't be a problem, but there was some, they're, they're intercutting what's happening. And so it, it took away some of the moment because you're like, wait, is this that guy or the other guy? And you're kind of trying to look at the lines and see, is that a mustache or just a dialistic tick? So I think having him, having giving Kent like a bunch of characters that look very similar and design, I mean, maybe, I don't know, could have made one really tall or short or fat or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I like the story, but that undercut the end because as you're jumping back and forth, I don't know if you remember that end part, but something happens to one character and not the other. Wait, does he have the mustache or no? And when you're doing that, uh, at least for me, it takes me out of the story to sort of rebuild the what's going on in the story business. Yeah, speaking of a guy that really went for it with the Lux House imprint at Dark Horse Comics is uh, Matt Kent. 
Yeah, and I like, I like Matt, Matt Kent's stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. not the right fit there. But he had, like, doubled the price of his books. So, uh, I mean, there was the first one that was, like, double-sized. And then after that, all the solicits said it was they were all, like, regular amount of pages for the same price. And I was just like, I'm out. I'll probably get the trades or something like that. Because it, it just, it it seemed weird to me. And it, they weren't, like, he wasn't the only one that followed that trend. Like, I know publishers are trying to stick out. So they're like, oh, our, we'll put all these. It's sort of, it's, it's, you could say it's like, oh, the 90s putting a foil cover on something. But I feel like it's never that, um, shiny. it's more of a presentation thing. Like, not so much of, uh, hey, if we put this foil on here, we'll sell some extra shiny copies. Like, it it always seems like it's it's not as gratuitous as all those variants. Except for maybe some of the Valiant variants. Like, some of those were just, still to this day, in modern comics, are kind of crazy. Because they've really uh, upscaled some of their books from, uh, since they're from Alien Books now. Like, they're saying all their stuff is going to be, like, prestige format, or there'll be foil on the cover. So I actually had to pass on one of the pre-orders of one of their series, because I was like, it was 56 pages, it was, like, $13 US. And I'm like, you know, if you if you just cut down to some of these extras and foil incentive and all this stuff, I'm like, I'd be more likely to buy it. But also the creators, I didn't. I don't think there was any really big names there or anyone that I was super excited by either. So I was just like, I don't know, maybe I'll catch it at some other point. Yeah, he's one of those guys. I I wouldn't be surprised if he just started his own thing, his own imp, more where he's not even using. Like I don't know how much they have to give to the publisher for that, but as these alternate distributions happen i mean he'll definitely lose some sales but i wonder if taking a bigger piece of the pie would be a a move to be like okay i'm going to this route where i sell directly to my fans type of thing yeah i don't know like it it definitely seems like everyone could have a different deal at dark horse so you would never know what is really going on (laughs) i thought part of the big thing for dark horse too was the whole Hey, we can get you. Uh, we have media contacts. Oh, for thing. sure. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know to what extent that makes part of makes it worth the doing or whatever. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting, anyways. And so, yeah. And then I guess the last thing I'd say about twenty twenty three is uh, uh, I've enjoyed the goofy Opus comics, the dumb uh, rock and roll. <laughs> And Frank Frazetta and all that stuff that I've been buying, even though I'm kind of irregular and when I see him in there. It's been fun getting all Like, if I look at previews, stuff. they used to be at the front of the catalog, like the, the two companies, and now they're not even there anymore. And now previews is looking for more small companies to put at the front of the book again. I don't know. It's a weird place to be for all the catalogs and all that business. Yep. I don't know how, how it helps, help sales either. Like, 
I'd be curious. Because we kind of lost, like, not only is that promo weird, but it's like Twitter kind of died <laughs> in the last year and replaced by uh, the man called X. Uh, so it was just, it was just strange. Like, you're looking, you're looking everywhere for, like, comic information, and then maybe publishers and other people are looking everywhere for different marketing angles, and everyone's spread through so thin. So it's a weird time, weird transitional time in the industry. Yeah, I do wonder what if we're seeing as, I mean, well, it was the beginning of the end when some of the big companies left diamond i mean that was i don't know i don't know it's that a was weird that time. was probably the the biggest domino in 2020 pandemic happens and then diamond says hey we're gonna stop distributing comics for yep. a while and then it's like oh oh yep and then you see sure. says hey we're leaving and then you're like oh oh everything's changing i just read a book that i've really enjoyed that kind of harkens back to a similar time, although it was, what, 40-some-odd years ago. And it's the saga of Stephen Bill Shanes that began at a swap meet, to paraphrase the back cover, that began at a swap meet when they were teenagers, when the brothers scored a comic book collection, which they soon parlayed into a mail-order business, one that grew into a chain of retail shops and morphed into one of the biggest distribution companies in the comics world. So naturally, they decided to launch their own comic book company, and they named it Pacific Comics. And this is the Pacific Comics Companion from Tomorrow's Publishing that is by Stefan Freet with help by John B. Cook. And this is a nice square bound magazine sized full color um, companion to the Pacific Comics Company, which only put out books for three years, but wow. is so fondly remembered because they had the likes of Neil Adams, Sergio yeah. Aragonas, Mike Kirby. Grell, um, Dave right. Stevens with the Rocketeer. Gray all Morrow, the, all the Kirby stuff, right? Kirby, for sure. With um, with what's his the face, Captain, uh, Captain, uh, well, Captain Victory, but Captain that wasn't Victory. also Destroyer Duck with Steve Gerber, when they were sticking it to uh, uh, Marvel there with the trying to raise money for the their legal funds. Um, you know, uh, P. Craig Russell, all kinds of good stuff from uh, Ditko. And so this book starts off with a history that each chapter is like a prose essay on each year of the company's existence, including before the company existed and and how they got to be a company. So it goes through telling about, you know, some of the big comics and things that you would remember and great images to a company. But then you get to the back of the book. And the back of the book is an appendix that has every comic that Pacific ever put out with a cover um, thumbnail stuff. And it's got a breakdown of 
all of the creators and all of the contents. And Phil, if you remember these Pacific comics, a lot of them were anthologies mm-hmm. or books that had like backup stories, like Gru was a backup story and Star Slayer, things like yep. that. And, you know, uh, what was the Tim Truman uh, Grimjack that came out of stuff, you know, all the stuff that came out of other books and things. Um, and it's all cataloged here. And you realize they could do that because Pacific actually didn't put out that many books. Like when I'm looking at this, I'm like, I have almost all of these. <laughs> I have um, a lot of the, yeah, the eighties stuff. Really cool. The, from Ms. Mystic to Somerset Holmes to the silver star to alien worlds and, and twisted tales, the Bruce Jones twisted anthologies, tales a lot. Yeah. the, the Bernie Wrightson uh, anthology books that were uh, colorized versions of his Warren stories, uh, you know, for eerie and creepy. Oh, this is a, a great nostalgic collection and presentation and historical document. Like it is, is it a great book. They really spent their time doing this and, and really put together something that's worth keeping on the shelf where you can near where you can grab it. This thing's awesome. You guys read Pacific Comics. Well, Kevin, you were probably a wee lad at the time, but I didn't yeah, get I don't really a t- mine. I I got first, who picked up a lot of their titles more than yeah. Pacific. I don't know if how, what their East Coast. I was up in the remember. I'm up in the middle of nowhere, Steve. <laughs> so I yeah, don't I was, know how many of those I got. <laughs> I was lucky to have good LCSs, so I I saw all of these number ones, and they were really caught my eye uh, and I, I picked them all up i wanted to check all this stuff out really really fun stuff yeah like you said first comics took a lot of their books when they left but eclipse also like finished some of their series yeah. but then eclipse crashed too and twisted tales went to eclipse eventually yeah yep i right. love eclipse too the company i love came and went yeah eclipse was great Oh, the Airboy stuff is what I remember. I mean, I know that's not maybe there. And the DNA agents and all that. We've, you've talked about that, Steve. Yeah, that's from Eclipse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Minio's book for PC was Vanity. There's a couple issues of Vanity. She was awesome. Oh, not heard of that. Yeah, maybe I need to get more. Uh, yeah, Pacific, for some reason. I mean, lately, obviously the Kirby stuff, because that's been collected since. And Micrell Star Slayer. I remember Star Slayer. Great stuff. Did that move on to somewhere else, Steve, too? Um that, that can't yeah, it must have, because it kept going with um substandard creators with Grell not having anything to do with it. And then Grimjack became like the cooler book because Tim Truman did that like and it became a side title. By then it was at Eclipse though. And then probably first, right? Yeah, because first is, like I said, the one, I'm pretty sure it was those uh, Moorcock adaptations like Elric and Cormac and all that. Yeah. They were so pretty that drew my eye to that company. And then once you dialed in on a company, you know, you'd look at their other titles type of thing. Well, the I Elric. Think... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. I was going to say the Elric adaptations uh, with um, P. Craig Russell doing them and stuff started at PC at Pacific and then went on to those other companies. So that had its beginnings here too. Yeah. Such, uh, such great stuff. Cause I, that was of the time I was into those books and they had a license 
think Chaosium, but maybe if someone else uh, did the Moorcock role-playing game called Stormbringer. That was fun. We played that too when I was a youngster. Yeah, it was just, it was a weird, like I said, for younger people, without the internet, everything was just sort of catch as catch can. And either someone told you about it or you just sort of found it somewhere or something. It was weird. I guess influencer culture was even bigger back then in a way because, you know, you wouldn't have heard about something if somebody didn't tell you about it. I was 11, 12, and 13 when these books came out. So, the you know, they might have cost a buck, but like the better paper and the, the, you know, you might see a booby or two, like it was worth it. These were awesome books. And like uh, really snazzy art all the way around. I was a fan. All right, Kevin, what have you got for us? Uh, I got uh, something from maybe my uh, most promising future new publisher thing. Well, that was that was that was a mess. That was a train wreck of me trying to come up with a category. The man from maybe. Yeah, (laughs) the man from maybe. I got gone. My jock. It has, um, like, all their stuff. It's it's sort of like that black label size. I shouldn't call it the black label format because that's like, it's not like they invented the format. But you know, it's it's the it's a bigger size with the spot spot varnish and and everything on there. Nice. So of of course, since uh, you have an outer space tale and. Uh, maybe going to different planets and, and stuff like that. Uh, I was just like, oh, let me check that out, right? You, you get this uh, world here where, uh, you know, you're in some kind of like um, like a shanty town, and then like maybe you have your uh, spaceport or whatever, like close by. And then like when they're going by or whatever, you like maybe your area shakes. Like, the dirt's in your eyes. You're running low on supplies. So, uh, you gotta stow away on one of these, uh, ships going by. Except it seems like this, this sort of, like, uh, giant, uh, spaceship is, uh, is, is a little special. So some of the, the guys come up with some kind of, you know, plan and everything. Things don't go well, but, uh... Who I assume is is going to be our main character here is uh, manages to go aboard and uh, stay there and and try to eke out uh, some sort of uh, existence in there where wherever it may be going. I also notice there's with the extra pages. I would say there's there's quite a few uh, splash pages and stuff like that. There's also it also breaks out it certain points where it's like they're like in the ventilation system so you're like following the character as they're crawling around in there so i was thinking well what else can you do you have the you have the space you have the room like rather than just um some standard panel layouts i'm like well i want to see some other stuff too so that that was good that was good to see but you also find like like on a ship like that you you'll like, there'll be patrols and everything, like, looking for people, because I guess the, there'll be other... Who knows what other things they'll be crawling around. You know, oddly enough, 
it reminds me of, of of One Piece, where it's like, yeah. oh, they have some they have some secret prison, and it's like, oh yeah, well, there's a secret level in between floors, like between floor five and six. There's floor five point five, and you're just like, what? So <laughs> it it kind of you know, reminds me of one of those things where you think people are going after you, and they're really going after some other people. I think I first saw that trick with the floor that is in between floors like in a building um in oh god with john denver and, and uh george burns that old movie none of you guys ever saw oh god i never no. seen that no i think i it. saw it but i don't remember because oh wasn't there a sequel god. oh god Boy, i must too? be old I'll yeah but the, right the sequel was a sequel that that's yeah. not as the, uh, the original one was really really good all right what, what about the Simpsons when they started yeah, no, going through the that. different layers of a house or something? And there's like some dinosaur skeleton or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, whenever they do like a, a cross-section of the lawn or something, there's always different uh, archaeological period uh, artifacts at different layers and stuff. Uh, well, yeah, you you run into some people that, that will... Uh, if they're not exactly sympathizers to your cause, they're, you know, they'll, they'll help you out with some food or whatever you need. So there's that that kind of bit going on. But uh, there's always trouble afoot, right? And I only have the first issue, but I believe there's some crazy business with the second issue. So I'm. it looks like, like they have the cover for the second issue, and you're like, the main character like older so anyhow well i thought you meant like a, some rare misprint like they put batman's penis on the cover or something and you're like i gotta snap those up because they're gonna go high <laughs> on the aftermarket you remember that was like the number one like <laughs> spec book for like months and months <laughs> that and the curses from the uh all-star yeah <laughs> batman <laughs> Oh yeah, it's a right. covered up curse that you could still read. Forgot about that. Uh, now cursing's mainstream. Comics, they're not just for kids. <laughs> All right. Well, uh because I'm completely boring, I will talk about something that we've also beaten to death, and that way you guys can keep making fun of me. <laughs> it's uh it's burnt. And do you know who the creator, writer, creator of Burnt is? Um, I have the hardcover in my hands. Uh, the Muppets, the Muppets guy. That's what I was going to say, Ernie and Burnt. Yeah. <laughs> no, Burnt, B-U-R-N-T. T. It's uh, Thane Benson. Yay! Oh, we all beat to death. So this is a fun uh, take on a noir, but it's set in hell with uh, Lucifer, and our main character slash narrator is Mr. B. As Labub. <laughs> and I like that he nice. calls Lucifer Lou. But it's your typical, like, it starts out, and he's like, oh, you want to know what happened? Well, it, it starts with the fall, and then it opens with Lucifer's been killed. Dun-dun-dun. And uh, Labub was, uh, as as they call him, was his number one man, and he's going to solve the murder. So it goes through all the side characters and his ex-wife and 
his current wife and very like femme fatales and everything pretty well. Like, I think this is from a little while ago because it doesn't have all his full noodling. For those of you that quick, the clockwork night has a lot more noodling, but I really enjoyed it. I like, I like a good noir. It's going to have kind of a dark ending. In fact, even one of the angels comes down to, to also follow along with the investigation and the net sort of closes in on as he tries to figure it out. And yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending or anything, but I enjoyed it. And it was, he also ends it with what was going to be, and I probably should have went online to see, but he was going to make a kind of weekly update to the aftermath of the book. Cause it's a really big status quo change, obviously if Lucifer's dead and new rulers of hell and all that stuff. But like I said, in a very noir procedural kind of way, Lots of sketches in the back. A uh, strong guy will take over hell, so it's okay. And, <laughs> uh, black and white, for those of you familiar with it. But the same kind of angular, squiggly characters that have impossible proportions throughout it. And I really like the end. It's just a lot of his sketches of the various characters. Because obviously oh. the demons are fun because they're very... You can have them be really skinny and fat, sort of like his clockwork character but also the angels are really interesting because they're very symmetrical but they're also kind of disturbing looking (laughs) as well but they don't have the irregular shapes and sizes to them so i thought all in all it was a fun mix on how to design a world that's believable with a pretty good plot that went along if you like noirs that is but yeah i liked all the elements and then like i said that sense of doom as the as the book goes and you're trying to figure out, okay, who was the one that was responsible? What's going on with this thing? What's going to happen? Is he going to solve the mystery? Who did? Is Lucifer dead? Lou, as he calls him. <laughs> Get it? Because his name is Lucifer. And how they kind of really enjoy being in hell. As opposed to those interpretations where they're always in agony because they're no longer in heaven type of thing. And I'm no theologian, but I don't think he did a lot of painstaking research on that front mm-hmm. <laughs> but in this the back one of, <laughs> what oh go ahead this, steve this is one of his that i haven't um gotten that i haven't read i thought i got most of his back stuff but um this is one i i haven't seen i also that he also was like writing or contributing to some other thing that wasn't really all his stuff and i think i passed on that yeah, I've just been getting his his regular Kickstarters. I haven't been going yep. much. But what I like is in the back matter, he dedicates this to Sergio and a photo of him with Sergio to show. And I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense with all the little marginalia and doodling. <laughs> For like, sure. It's totally like, oh, it's great. That, but he has a lot of nice things. He met Sergio when he was, you know, starting out. Because like I said, this is from a while ago. And Sergio always was very nice and looked at this this particular book and was you know the as he was working on it and everything and just was very supportive and a nice guy as all of us that have ever met sergio i wouldn't trust anyone who said they had a bad experience i mean i'm sure it must have but i've never had a bad turn with him and it's hard to imagine such a thing could exist for sure but yeah if you like uh his artwork again it's earlier days so a little unrefined, but it's black and white noir set in hell about who killed Lucifer and his with his sensibilities. I recommend it. it was fun. I'm sure I threw it as like an add-in 
with his yeah. Kickstarters, he yep. always has things, and I'm sure I was like, oh, I don't think I've read that. It's because I really enjoyed his 3D comics and his Choose Your Own and all the weird stuff he's always doing. It's yeah, really I got most of that stuff for sure. Good stuff. So again, someone Leo, I've right? someone I've beaten to the ground, Thane Benson, but. I just, when I was at uh, Jim Whiting's house uh, last week or the week before, um, uh, I brought his comics to show him because Jim's a real Kickstarter, uh, you know, campaign uh, manager himself and, you know, is a uh, publisher uh, himself of stuff and creator and artist and all that business and does a lot of production side work. So it was, uh, I thought he would get a kick out of, not only the quality of his work and style and stuff, but like the production value and how much color he gets out of that newsprint. And oh my, and, what, uh, how, how smart. shiny! Because yeah. not only that, but uh, you save so much in postage, right? He can send oh, those right. not with some uh, oh, cardboard uh, Gemini mailer. He doesn't need any of that. <laughs> Plus the add-ons with like envelope, dude. I just thought he was really smart to add things that are worth it, but aren't a lot of extra administrative. Ha- I mean, obviously sketching stuff is work, but it's also work that he can do as opposed to packaging things and mailing them and all the stuff you have to do. That's not his presumably favorite thing to do. Sure. So I was like, Oh, all those are small. The sending that stuff. God, it must be so much nicer not to have to pack all that crap. And like I said, the Gemini mailers or, However, you protect it so it doesn't get banged up in the mail. But that, like the colors in that Choose Your Own Adventure book, are like it's almost like the whole book is spot varnished. It's so glossy, and he really prints things nicely. Uh, everything is really high quality from him. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm ba- uh, I've not been, not had any real complaints with it. And I think I mentioned when I reviewed some of the games and stuff. It's not even like I play those things. I just bought them for, for, uh, to have them, but I'm not like Phil who played every game he's ever purchased. Right, Phil? No, I've got like 200 or more that I haven't played yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty bad. It's hard. Like you just get these things and they're like comics or toys or whatever. You don't want to, and if it's quality, you want to get the new one. Yeah, like if they do an expansion pack. I mean, My older kid's home from college, so he's been wanting to uh, play some of the uh, Kickstarter games that uh, I have. So it was like played like two or three uh, in the past week or so. Like, woohoo, finally, someone to play it with. It feels good, yeah, once you can get <laughs> some off the shelf. My problem is it takes me a while to figure out how to play whatever. Well, yeah. Well, once you, I got to watch a YouTube video. Yeah. But but by then you want to play the darn thing, right? Like if you're going to do all that to understand it, let's do it. Let's flex our muscles here and actually play the darn thing. Me. It's a lot of like big box campaign games. So it's like one game lasts you a long time. So that's why it takes me a while. Well, then you got to watch a video of how to set up all the pieces on the board and everything like, where do all these 3,000 bits and bobs go? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, how are we good, guys? Anyone want to say any fine? We've been going for a, a while here. So uh, anyone want any final comments on what is likely to be the end of 2023 for any comic book noise? 
Uh, did well, Aftershock I got some... get caught in the Aftershock of 2020? The company? Yeah, the company. I thought they were done. Or they are now. Previews. Yeah, it's just yeah. mostly their old stuff. It seems like is resolicited or, or offered again, but then like doesn't always have the creator names, which is a little weird. That is weird. But it was sort of like how IDW didn't have the cover images for any of their books for a while, and you're like, what is up with that? Like, you have nothing? So many weird problems or situations like that you find out about, it and you're just like, wow. That's my final thought. Wow. <laughs> that is a great way to end the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Kevin, uh, you need to think up a 2024 catchphrase. So I'm giving you a head start to think it up. But yeah, don't spoil it now. Thanks for or, or someone can send me uh, send me things that I should use it for a catchphrase. You know, if anyone thinks of anything good, and then we'll just co-opt it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. See you on Blue Sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Later. Meet Jerry Landers, just an average guy, married, father of two. Every day he drives his late model car to Food World, where he is assistant manager, in line for a promotion. Bright, personable, competent, Jerry Landers has every reason to believe he's a young man with a future. And he is, but it isn't at Food World. Read this. God grants you an interview. It's a gag. Pretty crazy gag. Not, uh, not what you expected, huh? Show this. Warner Brothers presents John Denver and George Burns in... Oh, God. I thought you didn't believe in me. Uh, that's just an expression. I'm more than that. I want you to spread the word. That I am. I exist. 